we got a letter saying, denied, you have 15 days to leave the country. Ultimately, every cell in my body was telling me to get on that horse and ride home. When uh, Philippe told me he was gonna do Canada to Brazil, I didn't believe. That's why 95% of the people who have ever written me never set off. It just got stronger and stronger the older I got. Like I was very scared, very scared. Just convincing people that a 20-some-year-old kid who had no previous experience long riding could pull off one of the longest and most arduous rides of the 21st century. Oh, listeners of Moving Radio, I'm excited because I get to talk to three-timer at least. That's right, three-timer on the program, Sean Sisterna. This time, we are talking about a documentary film. It is called The Long Rider. And Sean, as the director and producer, is going to be bringing it to Northwest Fest. That's right, your favorite local, maybe even altogether, documentary film festival. And his film, Long Rider, is going to be screening on Saturday, May 7th. Uh, and that's at a primetime slot at 9 p.m. at the Metro Cinema. It's going to be a fantastic way to cap off your your Saturday evening. Not only that, uh, Sean is going to be in attendance to do a Q&A after the film, but also Felipe Leite, who is the subject of the documentary and has a lot to do with the way it looks, too, will also be in attendance for the screening. Sean, welcome back to the show. Christian, thank you very much for having me. It's nice to see you again. Three timers get a uh, one of those those flowers, but it's really flute fruit baskets, right? Ooh. So yeah, so it's edible flowers, I guess. At that point, awesome. it'll be in the mail at some point, or yeah. Well, I I sent someone out the door earlier to walk to to see you, so I figure you're in Ontario. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll wait by the door. It'll still be good. Don't worry. It be might be dried fruit at that point, though. All good. Sean, uh, The Long Rider is a really interesting film. Like, I don't want to reveal anything, but I'm like, you had me in the first 30 seconds, buddy. It grips you right away. But before we kind of get into the details of the film, uh, tell us a little bit about this eight-year odyssey on horseback from Calgary for Felipe to all the way to Brazil, entirely on horseback. It's quite an epic journey, that's for sure. Let's give the audience a little bit more context, maybe about the beginning of this and this seemingly impossible journey. Well, I met Felipe in high school, actually. So I've known him for the last 15, 20 years or so. And so I've actually worked with him as an actor before uh, this, this journey was undertaken. So we grew up in Caledon, East Ontario together. Um, I'm a few years older than than he is, but uh, our former teachers kind of introduced us back in uh, those the early 2000s. And so when I heard Felipe was was I don't know I think if I put myself in the mindset of the time, I remember hearing a story about how he wasn't allowed to stay in Canada anymore, and then I heard rumblings that he was on a horse somewhere, and then he was in Mexico, and then he was in Honduras, and. I just started putting the pieces together and, and reached out to him on his journey. And uh, that's when he, you know, that's when I heard the, the whole stories that, you know, this, this kid who's, uh, you know, had some, I don't know, I don't even know what you want to call it, some permanent residency issues, let's just say, is, is forced to leave the country and to get back home to his family in Brazil, decides to ride a pair of donated horses from Calgary to Brazil. And it was this monumental journey that happened in 2012. You know, it's the story of this kid just breaking down international borders, all in, all in pursuit of, of getting back home to his family. And so it was just 
I knew at the time it was probably the most epic thing that I've ever heard of in, in the modern era. Um, it's just something that is, is not done anymore, especially uh, in routes that we know we can only, destinations we can only get to by plane. Uh, and so when I heard this journey was being undertaken, I just, I, I followed it in real time, knowing one day the uh, it would make for a pretty incredible and inspirational true story. It's definitely done both of those things, that's for sure. You know, when you look at a film like this, we've seen these kind of documentaries about like, oh, the amazing hurdle this person or these people must climb. And it's all about, you know, the planning, the planning, the planning, and then it's the execution. And then we take that journey with them and either it works, which most times it does, or it fails and you learn something from it. But this is a much more intense and longer journey. So tell us a little bit about how I thought was great, how you and Felipe kind of broke that structure a bit. Uh, and maybe it was just due to the fact that the timeline was so long on this thing that it, it made it even more impressive because it wasn't all about the big pop of the journey at the end. It was like the whole film was a journey that we took with you. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to, I don't know, train for a journey like this. I mean, sure, you can get the you know, Felipe undertook uh, like a training session with a, a gentleman named Stan Walchuk to help him learn how to pack a horse properly and um, just get his body acclimatized to being in the saddle for, for 10 hours a day. It's not like you can go out and, and train for long distances because that is essentially undertaking the journey. So there is no element of preparation that you can do for the things that you see on these uh, these travels and the, the experiences that you're going to experience and the the um, the conflict that you're also going to experience. So, you know, we get to go on this journey with Felipe as it happens, and um, he just so happened to have the forethought to film like the bulk, a bulk of this journey. So. Um, uh, thankfully, I mean, we were able to piece it together in the editing room and tell a cohesive story, but you as a viewer really feel like you're on this adventure with him and, and learning and, and failing as he fails and succeeding as he succeeds. And uh, I just hope that, you know, it, it feels like we're putting the audience on the back of a horse as well uh, as we as we go on this monumental excursion. Oh, absolutely. I think you achieved that in so many different levels. Uh, we're talking today on Moving Radio with Sean Cisterna, director and producer of the film, a documentary more specifically, The Long Rider. You can see it as part of Northwest Fest on Saturday, May 7th, and that'll be at the Metro Cinema at 9 p.m., where Sean and Felipe, the subject of the film, will be there in attendance for a Q&A post-screening. There's always the question of kind of like that you ask yourself whenever somebody goes on a journey like this, you're like, but why? Like, why would you really want to do this? Uh, that kind of hangs over any project like this or person that does this to personally push their limits and achieve something that they felt like seemed impossible. So talk to us a, a little bit about maybe how you wanted the message of this film to kind of trans, transcend just the, the impossible journey. And it's also something that kind of Felipe addresses as well uh, in some of the confessionals and along the road too. I don't think he just woke up one day and, and thought, I'm going to ride a horse from Canada to Brazil. Um, Felipe uh, was read a book by his, his father called Shifley's Ride. And it just so happened that in, in this book, which is a, you know, a, a a biography of Aim Shifley, uh, who's this 19, uh, this Swiss school teacher who in 1925 rode horseback from 
Buenos Aires, Argentina to New York City. Um, but, you know, that was a journey in the 1920s when, you know, traffic wasn't necessarily a, a huge concern for the safety of his horses. And, you know, it was just a more, um, a less technological time, let's just say, um, uh, and a, probably a more romantic era than, than what Felipe is, is riding in. So when, when Felipe was, uh, you know, started the planning stages for this documentary, it, it, it for this journey, it harkened back to those childhood memories of his father reading this this book to him. And, you know, Shifley almost becomes like the, I don't know, the wise sage of the of the movie and, and providing hope and experience and uh, and guidance along uh, along Felipe's route. Yeah, and what I found was fascinating too is that you kind of help uncover this whole culture of long riders. And for anybody that thinks, because you look at it and it seems like, oh, they're just casually like rolling along <laughs> the, the trail to kind of get, sure, it'll take time, but it won't be that bad. It seems very casual. Like not only do you unpeel the culture of long riders, but you also peel back the veil on just how physically demanding, emotionally demanding uh, a journey like this is. I guess I don't want to give too much away about it because there's so many interesting twists and turns of it. Talk to us a little bit about um, those moments and maybe how that made you feel like, though this is definitely you know, a film that's going to capture and engage an audience in a different way than it would be if it was just the long journey essentially itself. Yeah, I mean, if you could imagine yourself on a, on a journey such as this, I mean, what you'd experience along the way would be tremendous um, loneliness. Um, you're, on, uh, you're on horseback for, you know, like I said, 10 hours a day, moving at a pace of like, three or four kilometers an hour. So you have a lot of time to spend with your own thoughts and, um, and that can take a, a mental toll on, on anyone. Imagine, you know, traversing like these mountainous stretches along, um, you know, Mexico or, or even in, in the Southern United States where you go up on a mountain range and, and you just don't he encounter another human for like a week or so. It starts to play a, a, a huge effect on your um, your your mental state, and uh, Felipe experienced all this um, you know chronic loneliness almost, and it's uh, it's probably one of the more harder things that he had to face. But certainly there were all these major physical challenges as well. Like I mentioned the the traffic earlier, but he also um, one one of the main conflicts was uh, border guards as well, like not being uh truly prepared for what it takes for you know uh, a person on, on horseback to cross a border there's all these rules and regulations that um he uncovered that he had to roll with the punches and you know i won't explain how he got across borders but uh that that's something that you'll you'll have to watch the movie to experience but there are just so many obstacles along this this route and it does almost fit that hero's journey structure like Odysseus going you know traveling through uh, uh ancient Greece and, and encountering all these mythological beasts I mean that's what this this journey felt like um there were, day after day there was a new obstacle to overcome and it's not something any manual can can help train you for so it's remarkable to to experience that with with Felipe on this journey Oh yeah. Like when I, when I was kind of going through it, I thought, all right. I mean, 
the way that it starts out, it's kind of like beginning the journey, but at some part of it is like a little element at the end of it as well, that uh, I kind of prepared myself for like, okay, well, this is really just about the lead up to the trip. And, you know, it's great that you, you mentioned that as well, because I thought back to, you know, some of these things that I looked at, even when I was in university, these epic journeys, these, you know, uh, epic tales of like, different characters going through a gauntlet of difficulties in order to get where they needed to go. And especially because it's the fact that, you know, he's really going back to his roots. He's, he's returning home in many ways and just how emotionally taxing that can be too. That was the part I felt that was so engaging. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, one of the odd thing is like once Felipe even says it in the, in the documentary that, um, you know, he's asked to leave Canada um, you know, he, he wants to be a Canadian and then kind of live um, where he live, live in our country. But, uh, you know, when you're asked to leave the country due to whatever political reasons, um, you know, his family uh, um, was involved in it, it, and, and to return home to a country where you don't feel like it's necessarily home. Like it just may, what what is the, the toll on, on your personality at that point? I mean, you're you kind of feel like you don't have like a one passport that uh, you don't feel like you have a home base. Basically, you don't you're, you're a, a nomadic being that doesn't feel like they belong in Canada because of the, the issues here in our country or, or Brazil where, um, you know, he was born, but but wants to, to immigrate from. So, um, yeah, it's a, you know, emotionally taxing sort of situation that Felipe's involved in, and he'll probably speak more about that during our uh, festival appearance at Northwest Fest, but um, yeah, I, I, I feel for the guy for sure. I've spent uh, a lot of time over the last few years working with him on this project, and um, I know he wants nothing more than to, um, to be, you know, Canadian. Uh, we're talking again with Sean Sisterna, director, producer of the documentary film, The Long Rider. See it as part of Northwest Fest on Saturday, May 7th, in person at 9 p.m. at the Metro Cinema, where Sean and Felipe will be there in person post-screening uh, to talk a little bit with the audience in a Q&A after the film. You, you kind of alluded this a little bit in your last answer there. And one of the things I was curious about is this uh, working so closely with Felipe on a project like this. And also the fact that it's a bit of a shifting of gears where, you know, you kind of live in that narrative world a little bit more, right. As opposed to documentary. So talk to me a little bit about not only working with Felipe and kind of crafting this journey that he took and kind of, you know, finding a way to piece together all that footage that he had, uh, but also that idea of the collaboration and the shifting gears into like, is there a lot of parallels between the documentary and narrative world for yourself as a director? Or did you feel like you had to use different parts of, you know, your directing muscles? You know, interestingly, The Long Rider never would have been a reality uh, had COVID not hit. I mean, this was supposed to be a, a narrative film and, um, we have a, a, a narrative script ready to go. And when COVID happened, it kind of shut that project down. I'll, I'll eventually do the narrative version one day and use this documentary to um, inspire, perhaps uh, motivate a broadcaster or a distributor to pick up both films at the same time. At what kind of muscles do they use uh, <laughs> from a creative standpoint? Luckily, I had the structure of the narrative script to help formulate the ideas of the story that I wanted to tell and the kind of emotions and themes involved. 
but nothing kind of prepared me for digging through all that footage and um, just uh, immersing myself in the journey, you know, because you lay down 500 hours of footage on, on a timeline and, and going through all of it, you definitely feel like you um, experience the, the loneliness, the other adventures that you go on, and just the, the amazing respect fellow humans give one another when they're, when they're traveling. Um, I'd hate to paint the picture that it's all uh, conflict and, and negative along the way, and there's all these major obstacles, but there are so many moments of uh, extreme kindness that are, are shown to our protagonist along the way, and I found that really a beautiful part about working on this film is to experience, you know, through the, the footage, just how, you know, a, a fellow person treats another fellow person when they're, when they're on a journey trying to get home. It's really quite uh, inspiring. I would have to think that's kind of a unique thing as well as to having almost a script prepared for a narrative film based on this journey and kind of using that in tandem with the film itself. Like more often than not, you're just shooting it as is and kind of trying to piece it together after it's all done. Whereas you had kind of like two different structures already working together and almost had a bit of a roadmap for yourself in some ways uh, for the film. Did that make life easier for you? Or was that even more of a challenge to kind of tell a slightly different story? Yeah, I think it was a challenge because the script came first. And uh, I don't know, I think I started looking for those moments that were in the script just to kind of get the basic structure down. But real life is not as um, succinct and, and it doesn't fit into the right boxes that uh, one needs to when they're creating a narrative. So no, the documentary has a, a life of itself that exists uh, outside of the, the narrative version that will eventually be. You know, I, I love both projects for, um, for, the, for those reasons, for how different they are, yet how similar they are at the same time, if that sounds weird to say. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I guess that's all I can say about that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think was the moment for you where you were like, I think, I think we found the core of this film, The Long Rider, right? I mean, the journey is the vehicle for it, but where was there a moment where you kind of were going through the editing process through so much footage and you felt like this is maybe really the heart of what it is and this is what's going to make this film? Yeah, it was pretty early on. I saw footage from day one where Felipe departs from um, from Calgary. You know, you you think of this um, this protagonist as a very you know macho sort of cowboy, but this this first day in, in Calgary, I mean, he he breaks down in, in tears and, and cries. Just at a, you know, it's a really emotional moment where he's saying goodbye to. Um, you know, his, his girlfriend, Emma, at the time, and just to hear him say that his mom is going to have to take sedatives for the next two years because she's going to be so nervous every day uh, and, and just not knowing where he's going to sleep or eat each night. It's just a, a monumental first step to, to undertake for anyone, no matter how prepared they are. So I, I knew just that from that first day's footage, how... Uh, how what an epic adventure it would be and how you're kind of sucked into this journey right away because of his vulnerability and his um, uh, his emotional clarity on camera just makes it really easy to, to resonate and follow. That's one thing I loved about this film too is just how seemingly easy it was, although it's emotionally difficult on Felipe, how seemingly easy it was to just allow 
those feelings to be there, right? Well, you would have felt like maybe at some point you get a little bit guarded or you don't feel like you need to shoot every moment. Maybe you get fatigue in doing that on top of the trip as well. Um, so, I mean, I applaud you both for having all those moments of really peeling back the layers of, of who he was and what he was feeling at its rawest moments. You know, not only him, but the, uh, the, the horses as well. I mean, they yeah. can't speak, but they are the, you know, unsung heroes of this uh, film as well. Not only did Felipe travel this great journey, so did uh, Frenchie, Bruiser, and, and Dude, his, yep. his three horses that, um, that went through all these adventures with him um, and uh, have the battle scars to prove it. Let's just, let's just say that uh, it was a, a, an unbelievable, you know, tr- travel experience that uh, I don't think the horses were um necessarily prepared for but uh felipe's through his uh his intellect and his instinct um everybody was able to reach their destination uh in safety and you know it's the journey doesn't end uh where you think it might end and so that's why i yeah i'm really eager for audiences to see this film uh in, in edmonton for sure yeah, like in certain ways, it's just like, the, I don't know, Jack London novel kind of come to life or something <laughs> mixed with maybe like, I don't know. Yeah, but there's elements of that. I don't want to say it's all like that, but that's part of it. Yeah, um, I really love that documentary Free Solo. So it, yes. Um, so Free Solo felt like this, uh, this extreme sport that you cannot fathom any human being sort of doing. So this is like Free Solo with a horse, if I could, uh, if I yeah. could. <laughs> Free solo on the ground. Yes. <laughs> you finally have, have gotten to this point now where you can start to see it in front of audiences, right? Like, talk to us a little bit about the the connection the film is making to the audience and and what they're loving about it. I think, um, yeah, we recently screened in the in the United States. I'm actually heading to Florida tomorrow for the Sunscreen Film Festival, and then next week we'll be in Edmonton. And we were in South Carolina uh, last month. So what's remarkable about seeing it with an audience, because you know we worked on this for for you know two years during COVID, and for it to finally kind of debut in front of um, live audiences, what I what what I've heard audiences say is that you know after two long years of living in a depressive hole and uh, all of us being kind of mutually kind of locked up, this is a a movie that allows us to see the world again, to travel and to experience things that um, we haven't been able to experience, uh, you know, at, at a time when our, you know, the state of the world is in, in disarray and um, there's so much tension in, 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 the, in the air to see Felipe go on this journey and um, ultimately fulfill his, his dream. And it feels like that boost of energy and, and hope that we all kind of need right now. That's a great way to kind of sum it up. Sean, if people want to learn a little bit more about the film, The Long Rider, uh, what's one of the best ways for them to kind of seek it out online and maybe dig a little bit deeper into Felipe's journey? Um, aside from our, um, you know, our social media pages at the, the Long Rider, I think is the handle. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, but Felipe also has a series of uh, books that he's written. So the first book is Long Ride Home that tells the story from Canada to Brazil, and there's Long Ride to the End of the World, which outlines a, a different journey he took after this uh, this first one. 
Um, and now he's working on his third book. So there's a, you know, if you're a fan of um, what you see at uh, Northwest Fest, then there are, uh, there's a multitude of ways in which you can continue the experience while you wait for the movie version of the, uh, of the doc. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I had not heard of him. But then when I started to look him up, I was like, whoa, there's a, there's a whole history of this. I was like, this is incredible. And uh, and just the fact of like all the stuff he's been doing connected to that is uh, is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's I pretty amazing that, to know that uh, he, he left from Canada, just kind of uh, an inexperienced writer. And then now in Brazil, he's got like a giant statue of him. So it's an yeah. amazing an amazing uh, past couple of years that, that he had uh, along his, uh, his epic journey. Yeah. Well, uh, I suggest you go out and see it. It's a fantastic film. The Long Rider. Uh, our guest has been Son- Sean Cisterna. And of course, you can see Long Rider as part of Northwest Fest on Saturday, May 7th at 9 p.m. at the Metro Cinema. And uh, Sean will be there, as we said before, with Felipe to talk about the film post-screening. Uh, Sean, so nice to have you back on the program again. Uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be a fourth time, buddy. I just don't know when. Maybe it's the narrative. Maybe it's something else, but it's coming. We'll make it happen. I want to interview you one day. How about that? We'll, uh... Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know that I'm that interesting. 